The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Are you ready for the next level of leadership? It's going to be here before you know it. Today's leaders need the skills, connections, and savvy to become top professionals in their fields. Welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. In the next hour, you'll meet people who have become successful at the helm of some of the most respected organizations in the world, and you can become the next big success story. Now, here's your host, Maureen Metcalf. Hi, welcome to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Today, our guest is Ruth Milligan. Ruth's career could be characterized as a communication quilt with many layers, patterns, and expressions of experience and accomplishments. She's one of the original curators for any of the TEDx events, the licensed program for TED. Uh, She's selected and chosen over 200 speakers who have taken the TEDx Columbus stage since 2009. She's authored a class on how to be a TEDx speaker coach, the only one of its kind that's been delivered and designed, to support speaker coaches around the world and assure that speakers reach their highest potential. She's often tapped as an expert in the TED style of speaking for corporate leaders. I selected Ruth because of her focus on speaking and her work coaching leaders on storytelling. And what we know from research is that speakers who provide data, we retain a small portion of it. But from brain research, we also understand that speakers who integrate story with statistics, the retention of the data and the, the key messages we want people to take away is significantly higher. And I've not seen anyone do this as well as I've seen Ruth do it. And in fact, I am one of the people she's coached. So you judge to see if she's done a good job. <laughs> uh, the outcome I would like you to have today is to have a sense of what is TED and also as leaders and emerging leaders to understand the importance of storytelling and also to realize that working with a speaker coach for most of us is foundational. I realized when working at Accenture, our CEO started speaking fairly often, and I was surprised to hear that he had a coach because he seemed pretty good. What I learned later is he was pretty good because he had as a coach. (laughs) And almost every executive I know who does a fair amount of speaking works with someone to teach them how to do this because many of us don't have public speaking skills. And in fact, absent the skills, we actually do damage when we speak. We can damage our reputation, and we miss the opportunity to convey the most important messages to shareholders, to all company meetings, and even one-on-one interactions at times can be career-making or career-breaking. So if we think about one of the key elements of being an effective leader, it really is learning to communicate and convey our core messages, to arrange the content, to convey the critical content, and not get lost with with the noise and all the other stuff that we find interesting, and to create stories and metaphors 
to ensure that we convey that properly. And Ruth is amazing at helping helping me learn to do this and helping many executives around the world also learn to be quite effective at it. So the purpose of this show is to give leaders tools to innovate how they lead. So the idea that the rate of change we're facing is significantly greater than anything that's happened in the course of our history. It is accelerating. Ray Kurzweil talks about the rate of change being 20,000 times in this century higher than it was the last century. And if we think about the impact of that change on our daily lives, it, that number's hard to fathom. And yet, when I started working in technology, we talked about having a gigabyte of storage for a large Navy program, and that seemed unreasonable. Who could possibly use that amount of data? And now I've got significantly more than that on my cell phone. So how has the technology changed our lives in the last decade? How much information I have, how that impacts my decision making, how I work with people around the globe, and I am not unusual. So many people are working cross borders and with a level of complexity and requiring amount of information and processing that was not even conceivable 10 years ago. And so in the series, each speaker presents something that will help us as leaders take our leadership to the next level and certainly keep us from depreciating like, our, like the technology that we don't update. So the goal is to help us stay current and stop the depreciation curve and in fact set us apart as exceptional among our peers and thrive and create organizations that thrive. So on that note, Bruce, thank you so much for being with us. Please tell us a little bit about yourself. Thanks, Maureen, for having me. So my background for the last 25 years has been in one form of communications or another. I was a speech communication major in college. I was a speech writer for many years outside of college and politics. And for the last almost 15 years, I've been either a public relations or marketing consultant. And about seven years ago, I narrowed my practice only to doing training and coaching inside what I call executive communication. And that was really informed by my experience doing the very first TEDx event in Columbus, Ohio called TEDx Columbus. In 2009, the TED franchise, um, the, excuse me, the TED conference created a franchise called TEDx to allow local communities, universities, schools, prisons, organizations, corporations um, apply the principles of TED and the platform of their speaking methodology to events and actually use their brand. Um, we're about to embark on our eighth year here in Columbus. Mm -hmm. And I don't speak for TED, but I know that the TED conference um, was founded by a guy who wanted to share ideas with people at a dinner party, but he knew they'd never come. So he invited them to a conference and called it TED, Technology, Entertainment, and Design. And he put it halfway between Silicon Valley, technology, and entertainment and design world of Hollywood and L.A., um, he located it in Monterey, California. And uh, the conference evolved over time of these short talks of 18 minutes or less without notes or a podium, centered on one idea fueled by data, research, and experience, really driven by story. Um, 
And so that's where the movement has really evolved. In 2006, they posted the talks online, and it started to really explode in its popularity and people sharing. And in 2009 is when they started the franchise program to allow local communities to use their brand. Isn't it nice how much we've helped? Since then, there's been 70,000 TEDx talks, 15,000, excuse me, 1,500 cities, and at about 14,000 events have taken place. It's quite a, a movement. And in that movement, you have created within Columbus, being one of the first franchisees, your own movement. Yeah, we uh, in Columbus, Ohio, we have a rich community that loves. Uh, we're an innovative community. We have a diverse population, you know, from headquarters of um, pharmaceutical distributors to financial companies to immigrants, lots and lots. So we have a, a conversation opportunity that's terrific. And TEDx Columbus is where all of those ideas and personalities and points of view can come together. Uh, we can do things that other companies and organizations and causes can't do because we're not necessarily, we don't have, uh, our platform is idea sharing in general. So to that point, over the last uh, six or seven years, the extension of TEDx has uh, penetrated into just this week. Um, I was talking to third graders. Each third grader at a neighborhood elementary school are going to do a TEDx talk that's going to feed a larger one that Columbus City Schools is doing in May uh, with third, third to sixth graders across the district. And on the other end of the spectrum, one of the most popular um, movements amongst TED are TEDx in prisons, and the very first TEDx in an adult prison happened just north of Columbus. Uh, it was a project that I helped to advise on. Um, in a month, the University of Ohio State will have its fifth or sixth TEDx, um, and in between, there's a few other high schools and corporations, Battelle and Cardinal Health, who will do their own. So people have found that this cross-sharing um, platform of short ideas driven by story is really quite powerful. Um, and and we see it we see it sort of tether out in lots of different ways throughout the course of the year in between events. So quick, let's hit on the idea you mentioned it it tethers out. You and I, I I worked with you as a speaker on a corporate event. Right. So give us a little bit of background on that. So companies are looking for different uh, opportunities to share, whether it's ideas within their companies or to bring in experts on the outside. That was your experience. Uh, so they might have an annual meeting or um, a quarterly briefing, and they want to make it more concise, more story, and more impactful. And this is a really great platform to use for that, as opposed to the typical 20, 30, 40-minute PowerPoint presentation where you may or may not connect with your audience. You have to be, in giving a TED-like TED TEDx talk, particularly um, focused. And when you're not allowed to use notes, you can use um, you know, the screen and visuals, it really forces you to look at it differently. And that's what companies are really enjoying is the delivery of high impact, highly engaging talks that involve the audience in storytelling ways that deliver really interesting content, especially when you've got a buffet of ideas that you want to share. So companies, we, we get calls all the time um, to, to sort of translate what we've learned from TED into the corporate world. Thank you. Perfect. 
So we are going to go to break and Ruth will come back and talk a lot more about from a leadership perspective, what she's discussed with Ted overall. How do we as leaders take these concepts to enrich our meetings, be more crisp in our communications and create very compelling, thought provoking events? Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf and Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. Are you looking to get noticed in today's business world? Listen for Chat with Chickles, what they couldn't teach you in business school. This is the show that will help you survive and thrive in business today. It's what you can do differently that will help you stand apart from everybody else in the field. Lisa Chickles and her guests can show you just how to gain that unique edge. Chat with Chickles can be heard live every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back. This is Maureen Metcalf with Ruth Milligan. The show is Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Ruth is talking about executive communication and the TEDx organization that she's launched and I should call it a franchise at mm-hmm. this point the for, the, yeah. for the licenses that you have. So you were talking about TED-style events within corporations. Right. So you have the official licensed TEDx events. And just for everyone knows, I don't speak for TED. I only speak from my own experiences inside the license, just to make sure. Um, and we've done a number of TEDx official branded 
events with corporations. Mm -hmm. But the more interesting, not more interesting, but parallel of interest is the TED-like adoption of events inside corporations. So that could mean I have an annual meeting and I want to carve out an hour and have five or six talks in the TED style. Or I turn over an entire conference. Um, or I create a conference that feels like a TED event. And I've done virtually all of those with various corporations in town. Um, the one that you and I were involved in was a marketing conference for marketing executives at a local mm -hmm. company. They carved out an hour to present five different topics and we coached you and other four speakers in the TED style of speaking. So you weren't allowed to have notes or a podium. We wanted you to have some one really compelling idea supported by fact and story, not just fact, 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 fact. Um, those have become great training and development opportunities for these executives. Most of them walk away saying they've never, they won't prepare or speak again the same way after going through the process. And I think part of it is that no one really gives people the time after they've taken Public Speaking 101 to really train them in what does it take to be concise and engaging and compelling in a short amount of time on a very important, usually large topic. So that's what the TED platform has informed us on the other side. Having done that, the other thing that I found fascinating is in that hour or two hours, you may be presenting people who have conflicting or different points of view. And it's the job of the listener to then start integrating rather than the leader curating a, a story that builds to something. That's correct. So a true TED like TEDx or TED event has is driven with one really important value and that's diversity. So diversity of thinking, of background, of experience, of ideas, of points of view, you got it. And so you are feeling like you're in this tether. It's like sort of taffy. You're being pulled one way and then another and then another. Maybe we're a pinball going from one side of the game to the other. And you, like you just said, get to decide which ones you agree with, which ones you like, and which ones you don't. By nature, the hosts of these events, of which I've played host many times, do not judge. I don't say, wasn't that a great talk? I don't say, everyone, wasn't that the best talk you've ever heard, or, boy, that talk wasn't so good. I just say thank you, because I leave it up to the audience to decide, do you like that talk or idea or not? And typically, in most of the uh, events and talks that we host, I'll have a few speakers, half of whom the audience loves, and half of whom the audience didn't like at all. So it proves, you, it proves to you that you come with your own set of biases and influences mm -hmm. to the room, and you obviously filter through what you're hearing with those biases and everyone's biases are different one thing i think one reason i think that's so important is as we talk about leaders and leader development one of the characteristics we believe the most effective leaders have is a broad range of interests so i can draw from what i heard in one of the ted talks you curated here with someone who was a victim of sexual trafficking. Mm -hmm. it, very compelling, mm -hmm. very hard to listen to. So it was something I knew nothing about. And then there was an entomology professor, and there was someone on mindfulness. So as a leader, how am I getting exposed to alternate points of view and mm -hmm. different perspectives? Right. So now when I'm in a situation that I haven't faced before, I have this tapestry, to use your word, uh, of conversations in my head that at least I have a minimal awareness, but told in a way that was so compelling. Right. So there's two pieces here. One is the actual live TEDx event where we as curators give you this sort of buffet of ideas 
to which you don't have a choice. You, If you choose to come to the event and choose to stay the whole time, you don't get to pick and choose which workshop or breakout, right? Mm-hmm. The other thing that you have to at your fingertips is the TED.com and the TEDx sites and um, the opportunity for you to actually curate your own set of talks on any given day is, you know, there's playlists that TED has that mm-hmm. will curate things inside certain themes or you can just say what's on the homepage and pick those five talks. And so you don't have to wait for live events mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. get that same experience. But I want to connect one thing you just said. There's a great book out by Sherry Turkle. I don't know if you've heard about it, called Reclaiming Conversations. It came out um, in October last year. She's a very popular TED speaker. She was one of the first female technologists on the cover of Wired magazine about mm-hmm. a decade ago. But she's done since done research about the new sort of millennials and how they're coming through and how they're communicators or not. And the fundamental problem is that because there's always a conversation on social media, there's never a moment for them to actually feel alone or disconnected or just Mm. feeling those sort Mm -hmm. of bad emotions that might come from grief or loss or disappointment or frustration. Well, being a listener, as I've had to be for the last eight years, of some of the more compelling, whether you were human trafficked or a transgender or gone through a heroin addiction or run a fortune 50 company or a startup entrepreneur, it doesn't matter. I've probably heard the story. You you ultimately end up building some of that empathy because you that's what you're subjecting yourself to is listening to a variety of very different stories, whereas the millennials are protecting themselves and not building the, those empathetic skills, which then makes it difficult for them to confront listening mm. to someone who might be having a bad day at work because maybe they were something happened to their family mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. going through a difficult time, right? Because there's always a conversation. There's always a like, a share, a you know, a thumbs up waiting for them out there. Um, mm-hmm. There's some great examples of that recently, even here in, even here in Ohio that I've noticed. Um, but it's a trend that for communicators, well, for leaders, if they're not getting their millennials to communicate, this is one of the reasons why, because they just don't, they don't care the same sort of empathy that we do of having to actually listen to a story that's uncomfortable. And that was something that struck me the year I participated as a volunteer was how compelling some of those stories were and painful. Mm-hmm. And it's painful to hear a young woman talk about being trafficked. Mm-hmm. And, and it wasn't who, you, who I imagined. Yeah. Right. So we have our own biases that we come into when mm-hmm. we think the heroin addict is going to be someone who is not articulate and can't put two words together and, you know, it's going to be strung out. When, in fact, she was one of our more popular speakers last in November, a woman who's struggled 12 years with heroin. And it was her first time ever in her entire life speaking to any group about it. So we were, we're able to, to host the diversity, you know, the CEO mm-hmm. of Cardinal Health right after a heroin addict and before a street artist with hot pink hair who was incredibly compelling, Stephanie Rond, who we love. Right. So you get this this mix that you mm-hmm. don't normally get if you show up to work and you do your job and you go home and you watch some bad sitcom. Well, and what happens in our brains is different. The neural pathways change when we're exposing ourselves to these different points of view. Right. So let's move to corporate storytelling. Sure. So as leaders, why do I care? Why do I want to build this skill? So interestingly enough, I watched uh, the Martin Luther King, for those of you across the world, hopefully you know who Martin Luther King is, 
63 years ago. He gave a talk, um, which we now know as the I Have a Dream speech. And my 9 and 11-year-old with my father, their father, my husband, we watched the the talk last night. And it reminded me of um, what he introduced or had carried on in that Mm -hmm. talk still is consistent and relevant to corporate America today, which is listening to the metaphors and the stories he told right mm-hmm. inside that talk are what carry us through the talk was only 13 minutes long really so we're uh, reminded that what sticks with people is story and the reason it sticks with people is because it's the bridge between what i know and care about and what i don't yet know and care about so i know and care about subject x but i don't yet know and care about subject y so there's a, a story a metaphor that connects x to y yeah. i now care about y So that's one of the reasons why storytelling inside a TED Talk is very important because oftentimes researchers are coming at you with things that you have no relationship with at all. And they want you to understand why why the nanoparticles matter, right? So they're going to tell a bridge, a metaphor, an analogy that that brings you into their story. Mm -hmm. I love to say to my speakers, whether you're corporate or TEDx or make the audience the central character – of your story, and the way you do that is by telling story. So you, you and I on the resilience conversation, the metaphor I loved. So I don't always attend to my own resilience, and the metaphor was if I had a pipe leaking in my basement mm-hmm. or living in an old house, right. a bit of a drain back up. When I see that, do I get on the phone and fix it immediately, mm-hmm. or do I go to work and hope it just goes away magically? Right. And then you come home and your basement's full of water, Stuff. and all of a sudden it's now that kind of gradually, gradually, suddenly moment where the narrative changes dramatically and it becomes a crisis versus I need to take five minutes to do those exercises. I need to take five minutes to call the the pipe guide to fix it, right? So your resilient story about not paying attention to small cues along the way allowed us to really appreciate what larger resilience story you were trying to share in that particular talk. And most of us have five minutes, at least a day of practices that we do and could spend more time building resilience. And yeah, that with that small story, I think everyone could connect with, oh yeah, I do that. So I get a lot of I get a lot of leaders that that will raise their hand in the back of a of a classroom lecture or you know something that I've done and say I don't have time to tell stories I have to get the facts out, and I would argue that it's a pay now or pay later scenario. Do you want your audiences to appreciate and understand and be engaged mm-hmm. with you? Then you might need to spend a minute of your five telling a story and realizing how not hard it is, and versus I'm- only sharing fact. And leaving the audience completely clueless as to why they should care. I I was one of those people who was skeptical. So we had the conversation, and then I went to a presentation by someone I respect very deeply. And I realized about two minutes into the presentation, I was reading email on my phone. She wasn't compelling. Her message was important. It was something I cared about. But she was dull. Mm -hmm. Had she told interwoven story. Right. It would have made her message more compelling. And let's just remind your listeners sort of what's, what really makes a story work in your brain. It's because we're evoking emotion that makes us feel a certain way through the senses. So when I can tell you what it looked like, tasted like, smelled like, felt like, I can say, oh, it feels like driving through a hurricane. 
uh, on the Gulf Coast in the middle of spring with, you know, that's what this project feels like, is that I'm, I can't see three feet ahead of me, that I can hear the, the heavy rain on my windshield. My one windshield wiper is broken, so I'm inhibited in what I can see. I am sweating. I'm feeling myself nervous. I'm holding on to my steering wheel, right? And I have a dry mouth because I have nothing to drink. I am nowhere close to an oasis, and I am hungry because I am spending all this energy, right? I mean, so if I was trying to demonstrate to you how difficult the next project was going to be, that might be a metaphor to share it. But I took you to probably the closest place you might have been on a freeway near water, near a hurricane, right? I took you there. And physiologically, I can feel that. Right. Now I'm listening differently. Correct. You're not looking at your phone. You're not reading your emails Mm -hmm. because I've got you in a sensory mode Mm -hmm. of knowing what the story is Mm -hmm. trying to demonstrate, Mm -hmm. which then connects to what I'm really trying to tell you. Thank you. Let's go to break quickly and then come back and, and talk a little bit more about how would you coach an executive? What are those things that as a CEO or a senior executive, I need to be able to do to tell a good story? Great. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy. With co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass, Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel and simulcast at the same time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you a business leader or executive that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways. Listen for the Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. You'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more. Metcalf & Associates is a management consulting and leadership development firm dedicated to helping leaders, their management teams, and their organizations implement innovative leadership and business practices to help create market differentiation necessary to thrive in this rapidly changing environment. As the author of eight award-winning leadership books, Maureen Metcalf and her associates are positioned to help you and your organization grow and thrive. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. Maureen is ready to discuss your needs and tailor a solution to meet your needs through her expertise in keynote speaking, leadership coaching and training, transformational and organizational growth consulting. For your business, we can help with facilitated leadership retreats, organizational planning, culture alignment, individual and organizational assessments, online leadership development programs, and one-on-one or corporate-wide leadership development sessions. Move forward with Metcalf & Associates. Visit Metcalf-Associates.com. You 
are listening to Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. To reach Maureen Metcalf or her guest today, please call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to info at metcalf-associates.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back. Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Today our guest is Ruth Milligan. And what I would be curious about is with our listeners being mainly leaders, Mm -hmm. what advice would you like them to hear to help them be more effective as communicators in a standard business setting? Sure. So switching away from sort of TEDx but drawing lessons and Mm -hmm. insight from it. Um, on my way this afternoon, I'll be working with a senior leader giving a consequential board presentation, often a call I get. This person needs to do well in this presentation, didn't do so well in the last one. So and these what, are career-making correct. presentations. Uh, in this particular company, I have already coached two executives on similar presentations to the board, and both of them have been promoted they were, um, you know, everything was good. They are subject matter experts. The, the typical profile is I'm a subject matter expert. I'm at the top of my field in terms of what I know. I need to be more influential, though. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not really making it in terms of getting other people to follow me, uh, being concise, and being engaging. Fairly simple but complicated. Mm-hmm. Uh, as someone said to me once, very, very easy to describe, very complicated to execute. So what happens? They get lost inside their own data. They think that they have to burn, uh, boil the ocean and not a pot of water. They're not considering, these are all negatives, but they're not considering the audience and really the question that they need to answer. Mm-hmm. So once they've answered it, they can stop. That kind of notion that Brené Brown has really worked with us on around knowing, the author Brené Brown, around mm-hmm. knowing what is enough. And being okay of saying, I don't know. So those are some things that we work on inside. On the positive side of what makes the compelling presentation is one really central idea driven by usually a content framing sort of exercise uh, supported by the most important proof that the audience will believe in, not all of the proof that you think they need to know, Mm -hmm. and story that supports the emotional side of our brain. So the left side of our brain wants data and proof because we want that to equal truth there's true, that is true, that something's mm-hmm, happening. Mm-hmm. And then the right side of our brain, we want it to equal emotion. We want to feel something. How do I feel about that data? Do I feel good about it? Do I not feel good about it? Am I supposed to be excited? Am I supposed to be scared? Am I supposed to be pissed off? Am I supposed to be, you know, like, oh, yes, let's move to action on this? Or am I supposed mm-hmm. to feel sort of lackadaisical, like, oh, everything's fine. It's a walk in the park. Mm-hmm. So if we're not building those elements into any particular communication, whether it's three minutes or an hour, the audience is going to get lost. And that's what you don't want to have happen for them to actually tune out to what you're saying. You want them to be listening. So as long as you're tethering between the truth and the story, then you're good. But that process of sort of sifting through what I say, taking 100 pounds and shoving it into a 10-pound bag, usually into a three-minute talk, maybe a 10-minute talk, maybe Mm -hmm, 15 mm -hmm. Um, takes a lot of heavy lifting beforehand. And it's my, my longing for executives is to recognize that it does take time and effort before you go into a situation like that. Uh, it takes more time and more effort to recover from a bad communication when you didn't prepare. 
I had an uh, executive tell me last week, how am I supposed to get these five people ready? I can't hold their hand. There's too much going on. There's so much happening at this quarterly briefing, you know, kind of. And I said, well, how can you not hold them accountable mm-hmm. through the preparation process? Your job is to make sure they all succeed at the end of the day and to teach them to do a better, um, you know, a, a better pathway. Um, one of the greatest compliments that you can be given as a communicator and as a leader um, came, at least in my world, through an email. And it, the email said, Dear Ruth, thanks so much for your executive communication coaching on this big presentation. I was sitting on a conference call with my boss recently. He didn't know I was on the call, but he repeated my story nearly word for word that I had presented in that communication. It, to me, it was an indication that not only did my message resonate with him, but it stuck. So if you can get someone not only to listen to you, but to remember it and repeat it, that's sort of the gold standard. So inside there, what else can mm. I? Uh, again, one of the things that struck me is how much time people spend preparing for a TED Talk. So I was presenting 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. I assumed I, I would spend an hour in preparation, and that would be fine. That's a lot more than 15 minutes. <laughs> and so, you had the, me preparing for days. Well, so I, I, I had a metric when I was a speechwriter in the early 1990s. I wrote mm-hmm. for the then First Lady of Ohio, fabulous woman named Janet Voinovich. And I watched our process. And if she was invited to give a 10-minute talk, we collectively, she and I, maybe the scheduler, mm-hmm. um, would spend 10 hours. And I started to come up with this sort of one one hour to one minute metric. Mm-hmm. So if you're invited to give a 15 hour, or, sorry, a 15 minute talk, whether it's a TED talk or not, I would fully expect, especially if it's new content that hasn't been organized mm-hmm. in that way mm-hmm. before, I would fully expect you to spend 15 hours on it without a doubt. And I will tell you that it's a lot less still, I'll go back to my, my tethering, it's a lot less to spend 15 hours before your talk than 30 hours after redoing it, recalling the meeting, trying to trying to you know dig out from what you didn't achieve mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. people didn't hear you, they didn't understand, and you weren't resonating. Um, the big key around TEDx talks that's different than a lot of corporate talks is that they're recorded and posted and Forever. watched <laughs> and watched over and over. And so the consequence and the weight of that preparation makes a huge difference. Now, we also have some ability to edit, you know, bloopers and bleeps afterwards, which is common, especially one of the four Mm -hmm. editors for the TED conference just moved to Columbus. And Mm -hmm. he's doing his job virtually. He's a fabulously smart guy. And all his job is to take the raw footage from the seven cameras that they shoot and to make the most compelling uh, visual for the small screen. So there is some art and science inside why the TED Talks feel so well produced afterwards, which a lot of people don't factor in, which is why being a TED speaker is a big deal, because there's a lot of investment that goes into that production and post-production. In advance, in getting you ready, and after creating a, an yeah, exceptional... It's an, expensive, it's an expensive proposition if you're doing the full... Full mm-hmm. thing. I, I also tell people, you know, I did, a, I did an event where we, where we video recorded, you know, mm-hmm. Eight-year-olds giving talks for one minute, you know, on a stage in the basement of a church, and they're online, and you know, some of them have been very influential in helping to promote their <laughs> stories. So you don't have to have the full, mm-hmm. big, mm-hmm. you know, Cadillac. I mean, you can get by on a little tiny Yugo if you want. 
It was interesting. I did one recently after your class, and I think it ran about 18 minutes. And when I got done really critically looking at it, I think it's now seven minutes on my website. So I cut out more than half of what I said. Mm-hmm. Which we, is, it, we, we repeat ourselves. You don't really realize it in the moment. You kind of lose track. You go back and you know. sometimes people say, I have to say it three times. That's not necessarily true. Um, we just cut one of our talks from the fall. It was supposed to be 10 minutes. We told her she could take up to 14. She took 18 on the stage. We cut her back to about 13 and a half. You'd never know it. We had a speaker a few years ago that went 31 minutes. We asked her to edit down to 18. She cut 13 minutes out of her talk. You would have never known it when you look at the actual talk itself. She just pulled out a few stories that were um, what I would call wandering in the woods. They were mm-hmm. interesting and compelling to her at the time and very emotionally connected, but not necessarily needing to support the, the central theme or hypothesis of her talk. And I think that's a critical point. You know, again, having been through your kind of strategic communication workshop, uh-huh. central theme, what are the three supporting points, not 12 supporting right. points? Grouping and you know, condensing um, and killing, as we say, the little darlings, things that can be left on the floor behind. That particular audience only needs enough proof to believe your point. They don't need mm-hmm. every piece of proof that exists. It's a big difference there. And we, we have a conversation in our head. Susan Scott, the fierce conversations mm-hmm. author, mm-hmm. one of my favorite quotes is, every conversation we have is with ourselves and on occasion someone else is involved. And what sounded really compelling to me in preparation for this last talk, once I saw it on screen, not so compelling. And some of it just looked dumb. And so it's fascinating. (laughs) You're not dumb, Maureen. You're a lot of things, but you're not dumb. (laughs) But some of those comments just, when I watched it, I wanted... That's well, not what I wanted to, let to me, leave a listener with or let, a viewer. Let me share my let me share my one piece that I I haven't pioneered or authored by any chance, but it is the signature to my coaching, which is um, so I'm so as an example because I like to give examples. Mm-hmm. I'm coaching a woman who's giving a major talk to an annual meeting for her company in two weeks. Um, very significant, consequential talk, and. Um, you know, I said to her on our call on Friday, okay, now I, what I want you to do, now that our content structure is finished, mm-hmm. we know what stories you're telling. She said, well, I feel like it's too long. How do we figure this out? And I said, pick up your phone and record yourself and play it back and send me a copy, meaning send me the recording of you giving the draft talk. We'll do a few things together. We'll know if it's too long. We'll hear your stories if they're compelling. We'll know if you're missing some key transitions. And we'll know, most importantly, if you're really taking off and landing like you should, right? Nothing more important in a talk, bar none, than how you start and how you finish. It's where people screw up the most. And so I said, you know, we'll, it's kind of like writing a headline. We'll make sure those are scrubbed at the end, but I want to hear how you get in and how you get out. Most of the time, people spend a lot of time. So today here, I'm going to talk about something around this, you know, topic that's really near and dear to my heart, and I hopefully, who cares, Tell me, tell me what you're going to tell me, right? Mm-hmm. But, but in a much more concise way than that sort of meandering and wandering. And tell me what you told me at the end. Um, you know, across the world, getting in and getting out is the hardest. So we rehearse those to, like, exactly the, word, the first words you're going to say and exactly the last words you're going to say. And everything else in the middle is what I call embodied. We sort of just know it because we've, we've organized it in our head. We've practiced it enough. It becomes 
second nature. So those are some, the recording and listening to yourself and redrafting from mm-hmm. your recording is one of the most effective ways to get that 18 minutes down to what might only need to be 12. It was fascinating because I've done that and I did that with you. Having to edit myself was even more more well, that's, challenging. That's why you need a coach. <laughs> and Mark Twain had an editor. You know, every great writer, even you have editors. Oh, everything that I do is edited. Everything. Right. So why do we not say, hey, sender receiver experience here, right? Mm-hmm. I'm sending a message to somebody who I need to hear. You know, we send manuscripts of things we want people to read. Let's send mm-hmm. a recording to somebody who can give us feedback. That is why you can't edit yourself, just like because that's why you don't edit your own writing. You shouldn't edit your own speaking. Um, and it's not a hard process. It just needs somebody without a bias filter, keeping in mind who your audience is, your goal, and their question while I'm listening to it, not necessarily my own personal experience and what I want to get out of it. I'm not your audience. But in the TEDx arena, I'm a, I am often the audience. That's why it's easy for me to coach inside there. Mm-hmm. When I go inside a corporation, I get to know their culture, their language, their messages, and mm-hmm. I can be their audience, too. It's interesting. When I first was at senior enough in an organization, so coming out of Accenture, our CEO had a speaker coach. And I didn't know that until I commented on one of his speeches. And I was told that he was very carefully scripted. And that he practiced a lot. All these things that just seemed natural to me at the mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. And then I started doing it and I realized that I was terrible when I first started. And many of us, if you're not a public speaker, you don't think about leaders are doing public speaking. We're speaking to boards. We're speaking oh. to employee meetings. Otherwise, you're just talking to yourself. <laughs> well, I'm going to do some of that, too. <laughs> yeah, a little mumbling here and there. It doesn't hurt. Well, we, you know, we have an audience regardless we have an audience today, right? What's the question? I hope. What's, the, <laughs> what's the question on their mind? And once we've answered it, can we stop? Well, and that's how I try to curate these conversations is I hope that if it's really interesting to me, it is also interesting to other executives who are looking at expanding their impact. Right. And so people like you that I've worked with, I'm kind of opening myself to say, I got here because I worked with Ruth, Mm -hmm. and I worked with Danny Robbins, and I've worked with Ian, who's engineering our conversation right now to pull all the ums and ohs out of my, which I've gotten much better at. But again, it's that, that how many hours of practice of doing interviews before I can speak and not sound like I might not even know my own name. I'd say you're doing, you're doing much better, by the way. <laughs> my first conversation, I was so proud of it, and I sent it to my dad, and he said, you know, you should probably do some Toastmasters or something because the amount of times you said, um, was, he said I stopped counting at some point. Yesterday on the, yesterday on the radio, we were listening to a radio interview, and the, pers- the first person who was interviewed said, um, every four words, and my husband has no tolerance for it now either. My children were counting. We sort of made it like a family <laughs> game. It was really bad. <laughs> you know, tis the, you know, by growing up on TED, you watch TED Talks mm-hmm. every weekend with your parents, you're going to be a critic, unfortunately. <laughs> well, so, it, so back to the leader bit, that as a leader, what skills do I need to, to develop? To be exceptional. And, well, I think the, willing, the willingness to take your big data points and draw a story out of them, whether it's a simple one-line analogy or um, 
a, a story that people can relate to, I, I will ask anyone who are people that you look up to and admire in their communications, and they're always, always the storytellers that make me feel like I'm engaged, mm-hmm. I'm a part of that story, that I can connect and understand. Um, clearly, knowing your data and your information is important. Um, we were just engaged. We're engaged with Nationwide Children's Hospital Research Institute after an experience mm-hmm. one of their researchers had doing a TED-like talk uh, to come in and start a process of potentially taking, I don't know how many of the researchers through this experience, um, about 15 at a time, because they want those researchers to be able to connect with the lay people much more concisely and directly, because that's going to win their research, win more grants, whatever the consequences are that they're looking to achieve. But right now, if you're speaking in the clouds and only a select few number Mm -hmm. of people can understand you, you're not going to be influencing anyone. So bring it down and be a little Mm -hmm. bit more humble is a good place to start. Well, the other that that we've alluded to is there's a very concrete structure about how to put stories together. It's not just a good story. Right. So there's the structure of all of the data and everything that goes into a talk, right? Mm-hmm. Sort of the beginning, the middle, the end, the how you're how you've grouped your information, um, how you've decided what those groups are, how you've decided what question you're answering. And then there's the actual discrete, like as a story. You know, the context action result, my husband will say, and I always throw Dave under the bus in situations like this, well, he'll say, um, you know what, they're, they're playing Saturday night and we should go. Who? Well, exactly. And I'll say, who's playing? And who said we should go? You know, what, there's no context in his mm-hmm. story, right? It's the, the Ohio State wrestlers are playing Saturday night. You know, why, he cares a lot about wrestling. <laughs> I don't. I have to sort of extrapolate. But it makes it very difficult to have a conversation when you skip the whole context piece, not dissimilar from the way you and I spent an intentional few minutes explaining what TED was. If we had just launched into TEDx and not explained any of that backstory, mm-hmm. everyone's going to be sort of going, I don't have any context in which to understand the action that you're taking and the mm-hmm. result that we're explaining afterwards. Yeah, one of my favorite intros, and just to illustrate the lack of context, what are you doing Saturday? When someone says that to me, I'm not sure if I should say, right. like, oh, I'm going to help my mother. That's right. <laughs> do you want me to help you move? Right, right. Or do you With have tickets a, to my favorite concert? That's right. It's a loaded question. They're loaded um, as opposed to saying, hey, I have concert tickets to this concert. Would you like to go with me Saturday? Right. There's an end result that they're looking for. Um, you know, they're going to be a lot. If you think about the funnel, think about a funnel and narrowing your question mm-hmm. down. How do we how do we improve sales? How do we improve sales in Southeast Asia? How do we improve sales in Southeast Asia in our beauty division? How do we improve sales in Southeast Asia in our beauty division for women and then maybe for women under 18, right? That's a very different question that I'm going to answer that audience than how do we increase sales? And so the more you can refine the problem or the question, right, the best defined problem often has the answer inside of it. The more we can narrow that down, the more compelling our communications are going to be to answer that question. Because I'm going to tell the audience, I'm going to answer a question today. How are we going to increase sales in Southeast Asia for our beauty care line for women under 18? And they're going to be like, oh, okay, great. Well, then your answer (laughs) seems to fit perfectly. Whereas if I just said, how are we going to increase in sales in Southeast Asia? It's sort of like your question, what are you doing Saturday? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Depends on what right. you're offering. <laughs> so I would say to any leader, make sure that you know the question the audience wants you to answer, overlaid with what your goal is, what you want them to do with that information when they leave the room. Perfect wrap up. 
So as leaders, because so much of our conversations are consequential, we don't always know until later, understand what good communication is. What's the message I need to convey? What's the story? What are the three supporting points, not all supporting points? Is there a metaphor or story for each one? And keep it brief. Right. And what's the answer? What's the question that you're answering? In the Twitter age, where 140 characters are what we digest, brief. Yeah. And to your point, what's the question I'm trying to answer? Right. Because that helps create a meaningful conversation. So, Ruth, how would people reach you? Uh, So I have a website, articulationinc.com. It's uh, actually getting um, relaunched in about 10 days. So depending on when this goes live, probably by the beginning of February 2016, you should have a new site. Um, my email is ruth at articulationinc.com. And they can also view all of our TEDx talks and see some of our work on tedxcolumbus.com. All, all of our speakers are there from all of our, most of our events, not every single one. Mm-hmm. Um, or you can go to the YouTube channel and see them there as well. Thank you. So, so to wrap up the, the conversation, again, for executives and for leaders, it's not just when I'm going to a board meeting. It's every communication I have, giving just a brief thought, even if it's while I'm walking down the hall in preparation. Being intentional about my communication really sets me apart from many other executives, understanding that we're all busy. We all run from one thing to the next. Right. And yet, as Ruth pointed out, the amount of time I spend to prepare is likely much less than the amount of time I will spend correcting if I do it badly. And often people don't tell us we did it badly. No, we don't know how to coach each other. And we don't get the opportunity to recover. We just go on to the next. No one says you bollocks it up. And now I have left an impression that is other than I intended and may adversely impact my success. So it is a foundational skill. So hopefully you uh, each walk away with an opportunity where you would like to practice a new skill in communication and a a set of recommendations that you would like to put in place. Please reach out to us and give us feedback, info at metcalf-associates.com. I would love to hear your feedback or questions. We'll get back to you as soon as possible. Thank you again. And this is Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations. Thank you, Maureen. Thank you. Thank you again for joining us this week. Please tune in for another edition of Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf next Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We hope to see you here next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.